0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. Welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and we want to recap the amazing saga we've lived through now for over a year with Build Back Better or the Inflation Reduction Act or whatever you want to call it that finally got enacted into law. And we want to touch on the big funding fight that Congress will have when it gets back in town in September to avoid another government shutdown. So with me to do that today are Paul Krozak, a senior budget writer at CQ Roll Call. Thanks for being here, Paul. Thanks for inviting me, David. And Laura Weiss, our tax policy reporter at CQ Roll Call. Thanks again for joining me, Laura.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: And Laura, let me start with you because um, you were at the White House the other day when President Biden signed into law this this final Inflation Reduction Act package. I imagine there were a lot of high fives and backslapping slapping going around.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was certainly a victory lap for Democrats um, who, you know, had been pushing for so long to get a reconciliation bill across the finish line and. You know, President Biden recognized that he made sort of a kind of joke of he'd been waiting 18 months to sign the bill and we're looking forward to it for that long. And it was finally the moment. Um, You know, Senator Manchin was there. He had been really the holdout. And the reason it took so long for Democrats to get unity, um, it took a really long time for him to get to yes on something. But, um, you know, in return, Um, Senator Schumer and President Biden especially really praised him. President Biden handed him the pen he used to sign the bill. So it was really a victory lap for both of those Joes and um, Democrats in general, a very celebratory mood. Um, And, you know, even as they sign this bill now, we're just a few months out from November's midterms. And that was definitely you know, on the mind, um, President Biden really hit at Republicans for not supporting the bill, and talked about you know the choice that's there. Taught, he sort of argued that Republicans sided with special interests, Democrats sided with the American people. So you could start of sort of start to hear his messaging uh, to voters before the midterms.
0: Yeah, and I think the question now, Laura, is how will this be perceived by voters? how much of a difference will it make on the campaign trail with these with these grueling midterm elections coming up? You know, it was striking to me how, depending on which party you listen to, uh, this bill did totally opposite things, right? They painted it in such completely opposing terms to hear Democrats tell it, this is the first major step the government has taken to combat climate change with huge new money for clean energy tax breaks and to help reduce the deficit and to finally get seniors lower prices on their prescription drugs, a huge breakthrough, and to hear Republicans tell it, this thing is a major tax increase that's going to risk triggering a recession at a very precarious time. They don't buy that it's going to cut the deficit. They think there's some, some phony math going on there because- programs will get extended beyond what they say now, and that they're going to sick the IRS on all these middle class taxpayers who are going to be subject to all kinds of invasive new audits from an expanded IRS workforce. That's how Republicans portray this. So really contrasting visions here of what this package does. And then the question is, what do voters make of that?
1: Yeah, I think there's going to be, you know, a lot of competing arguments here over the next couple of months. You mentioned IRS funding. That's already been a big one that, um, you know, there's a lot of back and forth over among Democrats and Republicans. I think, you know, some of the other taxes in this bill, a tax on stock buybacks, a corporate minimum tax, um, those have drawn heat from Republicans, but I think, you know, politically, funding the IRS, knowing there will be more IRS auditors hired, is something that it seems they're viewing as something that might resonate a little more with, you know, individual voters, especially given that Senator Sinema shielded, got some carve-outs from the corporate minimum tax that kind of gutted some of the criticism, like that it would hit a lot of manufacturers really hard. So, Yeah, I think we're going to see how these arguments play out. But um, already we're seeing a lot of back and forth. And, um, you know, Democrats have really argued that Republicans are overinflating how much enforcement this will entail.
0: Yeah, I noticed that the Treasury secretary fought back pretty vociferously in in some letters recently to try to to try to preempt this Republican attack about the IRS saying these audits will not be on the middle class. These are only for the wealthy and you know, yes, they're going to hire a lot more IRS workforce, but a lot of it is is just to improve customer service and not for more auditing. And, and regardless, the IRS, I think, is supposed to lose something like 50,000 employees to retirement in the next few years. And so they're just having a struggle keeping up despite all the cutbacks the agency has endured in recent years so that they're really trying to punch back hard on the Republicans on that because they they know the potential political repercussions of of being blamed for a, a huge new fearsome IRS that's going to audit you uh, day and night. They're clearly sensitive to that attack. So that clearly that's already made an impression on them. But Paul, how much do you think this is going to – voters are even going to feel this law? I, I'm beginning to think not so much, right? Because – you know, Democrats can take credit for trying to get Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices, but that's not supposed to kick in until 2026. So there's really no reason to think voters are going to see lower drug prices anytime soon, you know, and then there's like a credit for to buy an electric car. But I mean, the maximum credit is $7,500. And I think an electric car costs like $50,000, $60,000. Fifty, sixty thousand dollars. I mean, most people are not going to be able to afford a new electric car, even with a, even if they can get the seventy five hundred dollar credit. Um, yes, there are credits that could take a, effect immediately for um, home improvements. You know, for clean energy breaks, for solar and stuff like that. There are some things they might they might feel, but it, I'm beginning to think not very much. Do you think? What's your sense? I mean, can, will voters see much impact out of this law in a way that would help Democrats at the polls in November? Yeah,
2: most of this uh, voters are not going to feel between now and the election. But, but one thing that they will see is the, the subsidies for the health insurance policies purchased in the marketplace, these subsidies were going to end at the end of the year. Uh, but now they are continued for another
0: three years. Yeah, that helps lower income people who buy their insurance on the exchanges, right, that were set up through Obamacare.
2: Right. And it's not even lower income as much now because, I mean, these subsidies increase the amount of income that you that you can earn and still get the subsidy. Okay. Um, and, so- and that's just one of the criticisms that Republicans make, that people who don't need the subsidies will continue to get the subsidies for another three years even though we are starting to come out of the pandemic.
0: Okay but th- so that is something positive democrats can tell. On the other hand that really just preserves the status quo, right? It prevents the crisis of having to pay for for a much higher insurance costs. It just lets them continue with the subsidies they currently have. So even that might be hard to feel because it really just preserves the status quo for a few more years.
2: Well, that, that's right. But what Democrats really feared was the idea that they would go into the election with these subsidies expiring and not having been able to extend these subsidies. So that is a big win for Democrats. Yeah, m- most of these other provisions you're not going to see, uh, You're not. voters aren't going to feel before the election. This is a big win for Democrats in the sense that they were able to pass this reconciliation bill. I mean, Republicans would have loved to have been able to say that Democrats were working on this bill for more than a year and they were unable to come together and pass it. So so that's a win for Democrats. But there is a lot there is there is a lot of material in this bill that Republicans obviously are already using to attack Democrats. Um, and Laura was going over you know some of the attacks that, that Republicans are making. So So this is going to be a real battle in terms of how this bill is is portrayed, as you had said earlier. So I think it's not so much that voters are going to feel the effects of the bill. <clears throat> voters are going to be hearing the arguments pro and con on the legislation.
0: Yeah. And Laura, one thing they will feel immediately, the corporations will feel immediately, I believe, is is uh, a higher tax, a new 15% minimum tax that the biggest corporations that earn over a billion dollars a year will have to pay, along with a new excise tax on stock buybacks, right? So that's a tangible effect there. Um, is that going to gin up the Republican base?
1: Yeah. And I think that's definitely a question. And, um, you know, as I touched on, I think it's, you know, we'll sort of see how effective those arguments are. This is definitely some more complicated sort of at the edges tax policy. And I think, um, you know, there were some changes to the minimum tax sort of at the last minute due to Senator Sinema that undercut some Republican arguments. But certainly, you know, they'll be saying they're raising taxes on corporations and they're raising taxes when we, you know, could be in a recession. And, um, you know, I think to return to the IRS point briefly too, um, you know, one thing there's Republicans that sort of released something from the Congressional Budget Office saying that if this amendment had been made to bar the appropriated money from being used to affect people making under $400,000 a year, it would have, got it, I think, about $20 billion from the 124000000000 billion revenue-raising estimate. So they're sort of arguing there it will hit lower-income taxpayers. I, you know, Democrats clearly didn't want to put in such specific language. That could be because my understanding is there could be some taxpayers under that that are actually quite wealthy but don't report a lot of income. You know, Democrats have argued this is about going through more complicated pass through business owners, things like that. So... Um, you know, I I think that we'll sort of see how those arguments gel.
0: And, of course, we had this huge political fight, Laura, over whether these taxes hit the middle class or not. Right. And Democrats have been insisting and Biden did it again, saying no one under four hundred thousand dollars is going to have a tax increase. They've been adamant. Chuck Schumer, the Senate majority leader, called it balderdash that the middle class would pay higher taxes. But Republicans came armed with this with this analysis they got from the Joint Committee on Taxation, nonpartisan, very credible, showing the breakdown as they as they calculate it, right for for how these tax how these taxes get passed on in terms of costs. And they did show some increased tax burden among lower income groups. And that gave Republicans some fresh ammunition to say, aha, the middle class are going to be paying higher taxes.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think that's something where President Biden has really drawn a line in the sand. And, you know, like when he mentioned that at the signing ceremony, huge mm-hmm. applause on, on the $400,000 pledge. Um, that's been a real political point he's made. And so I think that did open, you know, more of that argument from Republicans, because what you're basically seeing is that the way that this is estimated by the official nonpartisan, you know, scorekeepers of this kind of legislation is that um, those sort of downstream effects from raising taxes on corporations do hit lower earners. Um, You know, if they're not seeing as much you know income or or whatnot as they would otherwise um without the law being in place so um that's what you're seeing there and you know even though some of those numbers are small it's biden made this pledge and so i think that has created some political fighting you know over that
0: line. And we should be clear for the record: there is no ta- direct tax increase or increase in tax rates on the middle class in this package. We can say that definitively, right? It's it's just a matter of with these with these new corporate tax increases, does some of that cost get passed on to consumers? And that's the argument that Republicans can make: um, that that a portion of those of that increased tax burden then gets passed on to middle-class taxpayers in the form of either, what, higher prices or or um, corporations having to cut back, cut wages of their workers or, or lay off workers, right? And so that imposes economic costs on, on the workers.
1: Right. Or even, you know, lower raises, I believe. Things like that, like the economic projections changing from what they would have been.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the question is, who wins that battle, does it, does it resonate much on the campaign trail? Um, my, my guess would be it's a, it would be too early really for that to be a huge issue by November because I don't even know if corporations would feel the effect that quickly. <laughs> I mean, it would be for next year's taxes, right? I, don't, I can't imagine they would feel the effect that quickly. So, I'm, I'm not even sure that's, that's an issue for, for November either in, in terms of having real effects.
2: I think it's not so much that the effects of the tax increases, for example, will be felt before the election, but Democrats, I mean, I think the number one thing that they are hoping to do with this legislation is fire up their base, but they are also trying to reach out to independents who are undecided um, and bring them in based on various things in this bill. Um, On the other side, Republicans you know, are going to try to fire up their base in opposition to this bill, but they also are going to be reaching out to independents. And so this is where the tax argument comes in. Republicans are going to argue that these taxes are going to filter down to the middle class and they are going to, you know, try to win independents over with that argument. Um, So I, I think it's not so much that the effect of higher taxes will be felt right away but there will be very strong arguments from both sides um, on the taxes.
0: Yeah. And of course, we should say politically, this is a huge win for Democrats, particularly in a 50-50 Senate where they couldn't spare a single vote to be able to pass this this package. Now, it's much smaller than what they wanted. They wanted something over $3 trillion worth over 10 years, and this is this is less than $500 billion in actual spending. Um, So it's much smaller than what they wanted, but it's still a huge win by any measure, right? I mean, Democrats for years were trying to get lower drug prices to, to give Medicare the ability to negotiate directly with manufacturers to cut drug prices was a huge goal of theirs. And this bill does that, at least takes a huge step in that direction. It starts small with a limited number of drugs, but I mean, this does open the door for that in a big way. That's by any measure a Democratic win. And of course, Republicans say that'll stifle innovation and research on new cures. We'll see. But at least politically, that's a big Democratic win. And then, of course, on climate on climate change, right? I mean, to finally have a huge package of new money, uh, over $350 billion worth of, of these tax credits and incentives no carbon tax no no sort of penalty here it's in the in the world of carrot and sticks they've chosen a carrot approach here no no real sticks to my knowledge and that's why I think they're able to get it through is it's all just sort of tax incentives and credits to get people to switch to renewable forms of energy debatable how much how much it'll really do for climate change, of course, that's that could be a fair criticism. But it's also true that this is the first concrete step they've made by Congress, I think they'd say ever, to really tackle the climate crisis. So those two, I would think those two measures alone are, are big wins for Democrats. And, and of course- in order to do this politically, it was so interesting how what used to be known as Build Back Better got rebranded as the Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, the politics were all over this thing. In order to sell it, <laughs> I think at Joe Manchin's insistence, they call it the Inflation Reduction Act, right, Laura? Because because he was so, he had held up this package for months on the grounds that it was too much spending and it would spur inflation. And he got them to refashion it so that at least on paper, some of this new revenue would be used for deficit reduction. And he could claim that this package not only wouldn't be inflationary, but would actually reduce inflation. I think the Congressional Budget Office differs with that. And they issued, they're also a nonpartisan agency, highly respected. And their their take on it was, it would have almost no effect in, of an in inflation in the immediate term anyway. It, gets more questionable down the road, but there's really nothing in here that's going to reduce inflation in coming months or the next year, really. It just doesn't work that way. But still a remarkable, remarkable victory, I think, for Chuck Schumer, we should say, to get his whole caucus together and get all 50 Democrats in line, including Joe Manchin, which I think is why he got Biden's pen the other day.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they, you know, Democrats know that they're may very well be in this position again with Manchin. And he's you know positioned himself to be a vote they have to really push to get. And so, you know, I think it was clear at the White House they knew that they wanted to give him you know praise in this moment. Um, you know, he at least told reporters that Inflation Reduction Act was his name for the bill. Um, and when asked about the, you know, CBO finding kind of negligible effects near term on inflation, Um, You know, he did push back on that, talked about lowering prescription drug costs for seniors, talked about other investments in this bill that could have, you know, lower costs um, and the deficit reduction. But, you know, I think the other point here is, you know, he had been talking for weeks about scrubbing the bill so that it wouldn't be inflationary. And so, you know, I think that in itself was a goal of his. And, you know, I think now. You're starting to see this argument, especially from Biden, um, of, you know, laying out with Democrats in control of Washington. Here are the legislative wins. And while this was a big one, especially in terms of party priorities, you know, things like, um, you know, lowering drug prices and um, climate have been such big priorities for Democrats. You're also seeing Biden and fellow Democrats really laying out this story of With Democrats in control, this is just the latest in a series of things we've been able to do, pointing to bipartisan, the bipartisan infrastructure law last year, this summer, bipartisan gun safety legislation, um, the big chips and science bill, um, and sort of arguing that this has been, you know, a series of successes, even the ones that came with Republicans.
0: Yeah. And whether that's enough to overcome the 8 or 9% inflation rate that voters are feeling right now, we will have to see. But that's where we are. That's the Inflation Reduction Act. It is finally law. We will certainly be be looking at it and see how it plays on the campaign trail. But in the short time we have remaining, I just wanted to touch on what Congress is facing when they come back to session next month because once again this inflation reduction act it it sucked up so much time and energy that regular appropriations just to fund the government really got pushed to the sidelines for months Partly because of this and partly for other reasons, but they've been nowhere on appropriations, and so they're going to be staring down the barrel of another risk of a government shutdown come October 1st when the new federal fiscal year begins. If they don't pass some kind of stopgap funding measure, the, the infamous continuing resolution has to get done in September. And so that's going to be their biggest must pass legislation that they only have a few weeks to get done. And in this highly polarized Congress in a 50-50 Senate, even a simple stopgap measure to just temporarily extend funding. Is almost always this huge uphill lift. It is not an easy, it is not an easy task, as we've seen time and time again, because each side exert tries to exert leverage and tries to get things inserted in there or not inserted in there because they know this is the the must-pass bill that has to move down the down the tracks. And once again, it looks like it could be a battle because I can think of at least two potential obstacles here to getting a deal done, Paul, that you can probably speak to.
2: Right. And so, you know, one is you've written about it is the, you know, <clears throat> COVID money. Democrats would like, you know, 20, 20 billion or so in additional COVID money and Republicans are opposed to that. They want to see how, uh, how much COVID money has not been spent yet. Um, and the, the Biden administration has repurposed, has moved some money. Into uh, into COVID relief from other areas, so so th- that will that
0: will be an issue. And yeah, we should remind folks. I mean, we should. The White House requested back in March something like twenty two billion dollars for new COVID vaccines and therapeutics, and they say they have to prepare for a new variant of the virus. And it's been sitting since March, and 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 really nothing's happened. That's why they had to divert about. billion from other accounts into some COVID vaccines just a few weeks ago, I think it was, but they still want the rest of it. They they still say they need more and Republicans are still skeptical. And it seems like the only way Democrats might be able to get this through is attaching it to the stopgap funding measure. But if they try to do that, that's going to probably raise some Republican hackles here, right? Because they still say, we haven't seen the need, the documentation for why still more money is needed on that, and why some already appropriated funds can't be used instead. That sounds to me like a huge battle shaping up.
2: Well, there will be a push for it, um, and that, you know there may there may be a battle, and they oh you know they may end up agreeing to putting some COVID money into it. Um, you know, certainly not as much as Democrats would like. Um, So I think that's kind of an unknown. Uh, The Senate Appropriations Chairman Leahy has said he's going to try to get some COVID money into the CR. And the uh, Steny Hoyer, the House uh, Majority Leader, has said he would like to see COVID money in the CR, but he's not sure whether it will make it or not. So it's an open question. Um, The other issue is the, the permitting legislation. Um, that uh, Senator Manchin won an agreement from Senate Democratic leaders to pass an overhaul of permitting to um, help projects get started and finished more quickly, including the Mountain Valley Pipeline, which is under development between Virginia and West Virginia. Um, that That's going to be a big issue because you because Manchin is counting on it getting passed before September 30.
0: Um, And that was a concession they made to Manchin to get his support for the for the big Inflation Reduction Act.
2: Right. And you have you have some strong potential opposition to that among progressives in the House. And it's not it's not clear that Republicans are going to support this either. Some may, some might not. So I, I think that's going to be the the thing to really look for in terms of bringing the uh, the CR to completion. I mean, this, this CR will run into next December. And I mean, you know, almost certainly they will reach agreement on a CR um, because they want to leave and campaign.
0: Yeah. And Laura, you were at the White House with Manchin. What did he say? Is, is he going to fight to get his permitting legislation on this stopgap measure?
1: Yeah, he named the CR as, you know, the clear way to get this done because of the September 30th timeline that you no know, leadership had agreed with him to try to get this done. I think he's been clear. They've been clear. It's a commitment to try. Um, He sort of described it as a commitment that they'll be in the same boat on this, that he has. I'm sure Schumer's backing on it. My understanding would be Pelosi's and probably Biden's on, um, you know, pushing for this. But we'll see. And even from the Republican side, you know, before the Inflation Reduction Act passed, you had um, Lindsey Graham, who's ranking member on the budget committee, saying, well, this permitting reform is focused, appears to be focused on West Virginia. Maybe I'll want something for South Carolina, or I'll say I need a clean CR. Um, and, you know, we'll see how much of that was him. He was clearly making a plea to mansion to say this isn't, a you know, 100 percent commitment and kind of wanting him to back out on the reconciliation bill. But, you know, we'll see if this is something that can really uh, get done. But it'll certainly, I think, pose some problems.
0: And Hoyer did say that this stopgap measure should run through into December, so they're not even trying to wrap it up quickly. They know they're not going to be here because they're not going to be in town because they need to campaign for re-election, and then there's the Thanksgiving, and so they know it's going to run into December, which means we're looking at, a, if they're lucky, getting a final appropriation spending package done sometime just before Christmas. But we'll see if, if the politics even allow for that. We're going to have to watch it. That does it for us today. Thanks again, Laura, for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And thank you, Paul. Thank you, David. And we're going to be taking a little break while Congress is in their August recess. But we will be back in September when Congress reconvenes. And so we hope to see you then.